Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am very excited about today's guest. We have Davina Frederick on the podcast today. So Davina is an author. She is a podcast host. She is the CEO of Wealthy Woman Lawyer, and she's been helping women all around the country establish law firms going from six figures up to seven figures and beyond. So I'm really excited to have you on the show, Davina, and thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jan. I'm so happy to be here. All right. And I like to get started with just, uh, for those of you that haven't met Davina, like, you know, what's the story? Like, how'd you get to the position where you're at? Tell us a little bit about the origins. What is the story, man? It's it's a long story. I've been, <laughs> I've been in business a very long time. I actually had a career in marketing, marketing professional services businesses before I became a lawyer. I became a lawyer. It was a second career for me. I was about 40 when I graduated law school and started my own law firm. And I grew that successfully. But by then, I had changed quite a bit. And I was really not as satisfied with the day-to-day practice of law as I thought I would be. And so I began to take a step back and really think about what it is that I wanted to do. And also, I had created such a successful business that I had other women lawyers, other lawyers asking me how I had done that. And it, that and some other things converged. And I wound up becoming a law firm growth strategist and business coach for other solo lawyers who wanted to grow a successful firm. And for me, the foundation of that is helping them get over that first seven-figure mark because you can grow a lot on your own at six figures, but you really have to change your thinking and your mindset set if you want to get over that seven-figure mark and grow beyond there. So this is a really kind of a foundational thing. And so I've been coaching now uh, for 10 years, this decade, this year. So we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary. And we rebranded a few years ago as Wealthy Woman Lawyer. We had another name originally, and then we shifted when we niched down to just women and rebranded as Wealthy Woman Lawyer. So that, in a nutshell, is it. Okay, that's awesome. And you know, it's kind of funny. I hadn't, uh, I wasn't aware of your marketing background before you ended up getting your law firm started. If I recall, though, you ended up hitting a million in revenue pretty dang quickly, right? We grew very quickly, my partner and I. I grew, it was just me starting out, and I grew very quickly and, and invited a friend of mine from law school to join me. And then she and I grew it beyond then. And uh, I actually, by the time I left, I left and she actually went from there and turned it into a multi, multi million dollar law firm. But I wound up leaving the partnership after a couple of years with because I had some other things that I wanted to do and took a step back from it. So we grew very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like want to connect the dots for anyone listening to, and I I think this really kind of illustrates the value of having stuff like systems and skill sets and coaching, because a lot of the stuff that you're probably doing for your marketing and professional service firms was transferable on day one. So that was a lot of lessons that you didn't have to learn, right? But kind of getting into the situation too, like, you know, I'm sure you you see some commonalities in in the clients that you're working with when you start out with, but you know, as far as the women that are coming into your program, like, what do you think are the major holdups that you see blocking people when they come to you at first? Uh, I think the biggest challenge that people have is, first of all, there's a lot to understand about running your own business. 
And I think the biggest challenge they have is they kind of think I'm going to, because I'm a lawyer and I'm highly educated, I'm highly intelligent. I know I did this. I can start a business and I can figure this out. And it, you know, it won't be any big deal. It won't be as hard as, you know, people make it out to be. And what I found, the reason I created this business was because I made all the mistakes, right? In the beginning, I didn't have a lot of support and I went way too long without support. And I think the biggest challenge that a lot of women law firm owners have when they come to me is they are still trying to do way too much themselves. And it is a mindset issue. It is an issue of not understanding that now you're as a business owner, your priorities have changed. And so what works for you as a technician, as a lawyer, and what your priorities are, which is serving your clients, when you decided not to work for somebody else, but to go hang out your own shingle and start your own business, now you have another priority there that you need to balance that is of equal importance. And that's this being the CEO of your business and really being a, an entrepreneur and a business owner and really learning that skill set. I think that's where a lot of people struggle because they don't know. We don't, they don't teach it in law school. And unless you have, you know, family members who are lawyers who are bringing you in, you don't have that knowledge or experience. And even then you probably don't. Gotcha. So they're coming in, they're super overwhelmed. And like, I mean, this is kind of the other thing I was kind of wondering. It's like, as far as focusing within women as your specific, it's, it's you know, a different challenge. You guys have been specialized on that for a couple of years. Do you think there's challenges that women face being attorneys in the marketplace? Or do you think they have specific challenges that they're facing internally, like any kind of internal baggage? Or is it both? Yeah, I think it's both. So I do think that... I think the world is a lot different than it was when I was in the height of my first career in the 90s and then in the 2000s. And there's a lot that's happened since then that's really equal, you know, made the playing field a little more equal. One of it is technology. You can start a law firm today with just you at your dining room table, and there are a whole lot more technological resources out there that give the illusion that you are, are bigger or have deeper pockets or deeper resources. And that was something when I was uh, working for an agency in the 90s, we were doing websites for law firm businesses. And they these law firms thought, why do I need a website? It's just like a flashy brochure. Well, it was a great equalizer for solos and small firms, right? So those technological tools have made it a lot better. And the way our culture has shifted has made it a lot better. So people don't think so much of the difference between a male attorney and a female attorney. But there are a lot that still exist within big law. So the reason I started this was I wanted to tell women that you do not have to climb the six-figure ladder within a law firm business and deal with some of the things that women have to deal with, which may be sexual harassment. It may be, uh, I had a client recently tell me that when she first started, she was applying for a firm and she saw a client come out and the client was saying, don't give me to that female partner. I want a male partner. And she was seeing that experience happen in front of her and it caused her to leave and not want to work there. Nasty. That's, and so that's these terrible. things really have existed for a lot of us in the workplace. We've experienced them and uh, some people still experience them. So I really encourage women to create, be the change you want to see in the world. Go and create the law firm businesses that are flexible for parents, that are safe spaces where people don't have to worry about being sexually harassed. Go and create these law firms because you can. You can now. And there was a time when women could do that. So there is that aspect. Also, though, there is definitely a lot of for high achieving women who are used to doing it all themselves. So everything they did to get there, they did it themselves. They went to undergrad, they went to law school, they studied for the bar, passed the bar, hung out their shingle. They've been doing everything themselves because that's what high achieving people do. There comes a point though, where you have to, if you want to get to the next level, you have got to start inviting other people in to help you. You cannot be and do everything 
you're not the best person for every job in your business. And you have to understand that it's going to take more than just you. Even if you work your hardest and you work 24 seven and you don't sleep and you don't eat and you don't have time for family, you still are going to reach a cap in your income and your ability to drive revenue until you can develop the skills to cultivate and manage a team and set up systems and do all of those things. So there's some internal and external factors. External factors are real for people, but also we are in control of our own destiny. So now more than ever, and we can make that choice and we have to overcome those, those internal obstacles. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that to you, because it's like one of the things I, I always like to talk about clients with sometimes is just kind of like the natural caps for different business models. And like sometimes people talk about, you know, referral based practice, for example, you can have a super awesome business with really high margins and very low stress sales conversations, but really, really tough to find a lot of businesses doing north of a million on that outside of, you know, really specific contingency law. But also, same thing. It's like, you know, how many one person million dollar law firms do you see out there? Right. And for the people that are pushing those, you know, higher six figures, like, you know, what kind of lifestyle and what kind of vacations are those people able to take, right? So yeah. if we're kind I've of had trying- clients come to me in that position, they've, they've achieved that they're in mid to high six figures and they're pretty much a one woman show. They might have a little bit of part-time help and they are burnt out. They are absolutely burnt out. And I see it over and over again. It's because they push the limit. And my advice to them would be to start bringing in more help long before you reach your limit. Because once you reach your limit, now it's going to be really hard. So you recommend us yes, if we're if we're going to be trying to hire for capacity that we want, like how do you recommend people specifically? Like let's take the person who's wearing twelve different hats right now. How would you recommend uh, that person choose a role that they should want to step out of and go about finding a person to help them out with that? So I have a really simple technique that I have people start with. It's so ridiculously simple, but it's powerful, and that is I I use like a million legal pads. Still, like I write stuff down. They're all a legal pad person. So I would draw three columns on a legal pad, A, B, and C. And the A column is the highest and best use of my time. This is the thing that I'm working in a place that time passes and I don't even realize it. I'm I get high on it. I love it. It's the thing that makes the most money for my business. It's the thing that allows me to be a visionary. All of those things put in column A. Column C, put all those, all the minutiae that you would not pay your hourly rate to somebody to do for you. So if you make $350 an hour as an attorney, $250 an hour, and you're there filing or answering your phones or something else, something that you would not pay somebody else $250 to $350 an hour or more to do, put that in there. Those are things you should not be doing and they need to be delegated immediately. The things in the middle column, in the B column, are kind of like you're good at it, but maybe you don't really enjoy it. Or you're good at it, but you're not the best person to be doing it because there's probably somebody out there that is better at it and and it would free up your time to do those things you really love. But that middle column are those kind of things that are a little bit more difficult for people to see they can delegate. But I'll give you an example. So I am I have a degree in writing. I have a long career as a professional writer. I worked as a professional copywriter content writer, all of that. I've written just about everything you can imagine from legal briefs to blogs to video scripts. I mean, all, right? But is it the highest and best use of my time to write all the content that needs to be written for my business? If that, that would be all that I did if that, if I were the only one writing and it's hard for me to let go of writing because it's hard to please me because I have so much experience, right? So I had to develop a mindset of what is sufficient. And so it may not be the way that I would do it, but does it get the job done? Does it attract people the way that I want to attract them? Does it do the function that I want it to do? Right? So 
that's a choice in this type of business that I made where I, it was in the B column. I'm very good at it. I enjoy it, but is it the highest and best use of my time? Is that really the sweet spot for me that creates a multi-million dollar business? No. And I, and so I have to hire people and let some of that go. Right. So that's the approach that I would use. That's fantastic. And I really appreciate how tactical an example that was to be. That's really great. And yeah, I love guys take a timestamp for this. If you haven't done that, and you're in the same position, that might be something worth going back to this episode and getting a yeah. legal pad out for. But um, you, legal you, pads. Yeah, you got a point. So you pointed out something though that's uh, it's something that I just kind of funny. Like you know, I've seen this from time to time with uh, smaller clients we've worked with too. It's interesting because uh, I kind of see like this U-shaped curve with uh, perfectionism, and like I, I really, honestly, I think the worst thing that ever happened to perfectionists in the last twenty years was learning about Steve Jobs' personal habits because people are like trapping themselves in tiny businesses and being micromanagers and absolute terrorists to work with. Not speaking to anyone specifically, by the way, but you get the idea. <laughs> Under this guise you know that they're doing better for their business. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like, you know, you get the idea. So, you know, it's it's kind of one of these things. And it's like, it's it's, it's interesting. Sometimes a larger company is not going to have everything done to absolutely the same spans as somebody who's personally thinking. But I think people have to get really honest. It's like, do you want everything to be done perfectly? Or do you want to be able to take a vacation? Right? Like, do you want to be right. able to pick your kids up from right. soccer or whatever, right? Yeah, I have a mentor who said to me, he said many wonderful things to me. But one of the things he said to me is he said, Davina, you can control the details or you can grow. You can have growth or details, which you get to pick whichever one you want, but you cannot have them both. You cannot control all the details in your business and have growth. And that was a, because I am that, per, the reason my clients come to me is because I've been there, done that. I am that person. I was the person, I'm a very detail-oriented person by training. I was a, a journalism major, trained to be an editor, a copywriter, trained to, ed, to be a copy editor. And then I went to law school. So where the devil is, I mean, the devil's in the details. Everything in law school, everything you learn about being a lawyer is we have to watch out for those details. So it can be very difficult. People think we're control freaks or, you know, uh, it's perfectionism. And it is, but there's also a lot on the line as a lawyer when, so mistakes are, it's important that we catch mistakes. But I think what we overlook is our ability to, to set up systems to help protect, to create some redundancy in our business. So we have checks and balances and we create some quality assurance. So somebody else is checking the quality of work other people are doing. We think that we have to be the ones to stamp everything before it goes out the door. But ultimately you want to grow your business to a point where it can operate on a day-to-day -day basis without you being present. Because like you said, vacation, picking your kids up for soccer. And I've had some clients who've experienced some serious medical issues that have suddenly taken them out. And so if you're not preparing for this, life is going to happen, you know, and you might find yourself stuck and then you really won't be in control of details, right? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of segueing from that a little bit too. So we're getting down to brass tacks as far as getting that first person. Let's say like, you know, hypothetically, we'll continue the example. We've got somebody who's got a column C or a column B task that we can work with. What's your thoughts on how to train people and how to make sure that we're getting process done right? And and there's probably a very long answer to this, but like, you know, how, well, how do you, yeah, how do you, how do you, uh, suggest people get started if they've never done this before? So I just came from a group call with, with a lot of my clients. We were discussing the issue of hiring and training. And so hiring is is going to be, is, has been a challenge the last couple of years uh, with a lot of law firms. I think we had like an unemployment rate in the legal industry of less than 1%, somebody was telling me. But I do think we're starting to see that lift a little bit. We're starting to get more applicants. So, you know, one of the challenges is getting people who just aren't qualified to begin with, they're going to be impossible to 
train because they're not qualified to get to begin with. So I really drive home with my clients. You need to have a good hiring system to begin with. And so you're getting, you're attracting those candidates that you want. And we're going to get those in there who are just applying for jobs so that they can get their unemployment check or whatever. You know, we're going to get those candidates too. But if your hiring system is good and set up the way that it needs to be, then you can quickly eliminate those and not waste your time on them. But once you've hired people, I think one of the biggest challenges that high achievers who are used to doing everything themselves have is switching to a, I, the time that it takes me to train this person, I could do it faster myself. So what they say is they say, I'll just do it fast. It's faster if I do it myself. Well, if your objective is to build a law firm business that can thrive without you, so you can be out on vacation on the Riviera or in Cabo or wherever you like to go, you have got to find a way to train this person. And so what I tell them is that you're making it too hard. The very first thing to do, if you have no other people to help you with training in your organization, this is your first employee, then have them sit right next to you while you're doing things and take notes. Create a video, turn on Zoom, turn on your video, share your screen and talk out loud about what you're doing and create a training video and put it in your Dropbox so that they have a training video where you've actually walked through and showed them how to do a thing they can watch. You might have to literally have them watch you do things if you don't feel you have the time to set aside for training. The other thing is, is that oftentimes people try to do all the training themselves when there are a lot of perfectly good resources. If you have somebody that you've hired that maybe isn't up to speed on your particular practice area, but you think they can be, then get resources for them that they can read or online courses they can take or things so that they get a baseline understanding. You don't have to do all the training yourself, even if you haven't yet hired a number of employees and have a team to help you train. If you have a team, then get everybody involved in helping to train the new people right? So there's a lot of things that people can do. We go, we teach this in our, in our course and in our program, we teach people specifics on how to overcome these problems. But the very first thing is you have to overcome the mental habit of telling yourself it doesn't work. This doesn't work for me. I'm different than everyone else out there. Other people have done this. They've built law firms from solo to law firms. Two bros graduated from law school together, joined up as partners, and now they have a multi-million dollar law firm business with hundreds of people who work for them, but they're different. I can't do that. And that's the thing that we have to stop buying into that thinking and say, if they can do it, I can do it too. What I'm missing is I have a knowledge gap. I have a knowledge gap. I don't know how to go about doing it. And that's where coaches like me come in to help you, right? There are plenty of resources out there to help you overcome those knowledge gaps because if they can do it, you can too. Yeah. And that's almost like, uh, what is it in Buddhism? The gateless gate. It's like the, the opportunity to actually know that you can just invest and fix pretty much any dang problem under the sun is something that you can only really realize when you give yourself permission to, right? Because it's like, right. you know, sometimes you have people that are just trapped in these these prisons of their own design, whether they realize it or not. And it's like letting go of that, you know, it, it's it's funny. And we were talking about this a little bit on the pre-check. It's just like, you know, the mindset stuff, a lot of people dismiss as fluffy, but it's like, you know, I'd like to see where things are at. And like, sometimes it's like, how much do you really want to hang on to this belief? Is it really serving you at this point, right? Right, right. It's everything. It really is everything because, and it's something that I think human beings combat. You know, it's not, you're not abnormal because you have resistance, because you have negative thoughts, because, you know, you get stuck or you stumble or you, you go, I, I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to ask for help. I, everybody else has got this figured out, but me, those are things that 
most human beings have experience with at some time or another. You had those experiences when you sat for the LSAT and you worried about whether or not you were even going to get in law school. You had those experiences for all your law school exams. Like it's just part of life. You're going to have times where you are the newbie and you're trying to learn something new. And but mindset is everything. When you approach it, if you approach every obstacle that you encounter as something that is just going to defeat you and you just throw up a block in your mind and go, that's just impossible. It won't work for me. Then you are making a choice at that moment to not grow, to give up, to quit. Whereas if you just shift it and say, well, I don't know exactly what to do, but I know that the answer is out there somewhere. I just need to find out who knows it. Marie Forleo is very well known for B-School. She's a very famous business coach for entrepreneurs, particularly online entrepreneurs. And she's famous for saying everything is figure outable. It's something that her mother said to her and something she's taken into her life and written a book with that title, Everything is Figure Outable. And I think when you kind of develop that resilience and flexibility in your mindset and you say, while I may not know the answer to this in the moment, I know that somebody in the world knows the answer. And if I start asking, it's very quickly going to come to me. And if you're a little bit woo-woo, you think to yourself, I'm going to put things out in the universe. I'm going to attract it to me. We don't even have to be woo-woo today because we know that every conversation we have in front of our phone, we're literally going to have stuff. The microphone is recording everything. And I promise you, after this conversation, there will be stuff in my feed that is going to tell me on any of my favorite social media, that's going to be somebody with the answer to my problem. So it's not even just a matter of putting out into the universe and trusting that somebody's going to come. We have literally, anytime we're talking around anything automated, it's going to send us the answer. So, you know, be optimistic about it. I was going to make a joke. I was like, you know, uh, too, I was just saying, God, we trust for everything else. We've got Zuckerberg, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, I want to pivot a little bit too, though. So um, for everyone who's watching this on video, you can see this. But um, one of the things is, I mean, uh, we've got two lovely books by Davina in the background right here. We've talked a lot about operations, but I want to switch gears a little bit since we are talking a little bit about marketing and all that fun stuff. you got a really awesome philosophy on marketing. And I'm just kind of curious, as far as people that are looking to, to make that shift from six figure up to the seven figure and beyond range, like what are what's your opinion on like, you know, the marketing channels that people should be paying attention to? What should people focus on? Because one of the things I always hear from people who are just getting started out is just so dang overwhelmed with everything that right. you have as an option. Right. And I've had that experience. Although when I started my practice, Facebook was only a few years old and Instagram hadn't even been born yet. So not nearly as many options back then for some of these online platforms, but there are some basic principles of marketing that apply, have always applied and still apply no matter what the platform is. So the book I wrote is called The Wealthy Woman Lawyer's Guide to Law Firm Marketing in the Virtual Age. And it has a, a long subtitle that I won't read to you, but that I wrote that book. It was the first book that I wrote because I think the first step in scaling your business is you want to make sure you're working with the best clients that you can work with. And those are those people that you really like to serve. You really enjoy working with them and they pay you on time and upfront, right? So these are the client, the best clients that you can get. And so I really believe strongly in the power of attraction marketing and putting out messages to attract those clients to us so we don't have to chase them down. And I wrote this book because I know that if people can, if lawyers can start getting better clients, then they will have more resources to do the next piece, which is to invest in all their leverage, right? So leveraging their time, leveraging a team, leveraging systems, leveraging automation, all of those things, right? We need resources. We need capital to develop, to invest in those things, right? So the purpose of the book, as somebody who, when I was a practicing lawyer, I got approached 
a lot with people calling themselves marketers and they were right. They were marketers. But for somebody, if I hadn't had a background in marketing, I wouldn't have understood that they all are marketers in a different way, right? Marketing is a big umbrella. That means, you know, getting clients, getting leads, right? Getting people to have sales conversations with us so we can close them and they can buy our services. And there are a lot of different ways that, that people do that. They use search engine optimization. They use pay-per-click campaigns. They do public speaking. They write books. They go on podcasts. They have, start their own podcasts. There's a lot of ways that we can market. So it can get very confusing because there's so many different options. I created this book as a tool to help people figure out who, not only who their ideal client is, like what kind of car they drive, who influences them, how do they make buying decisions for legal services, all of those things that we need to know about our ideal clients. But also we need to know what differentiates us from our competitors. What are the core values that we have and what are the differentiators that are going to set us apart so that when we craft our message to attract these ideal clients, we are, we are attracting those people who are going to be a good fit to work with us in our law firm. And then where do they hang out? We have to find out where they hang out. And where they hang out can be traditional platforms or it can be modern platforms. So it can be on YouTube or it can be a public speaking gig someplace, right? It can be as a guest on a podcast or it can be writing a, an academic article, right? We have to decide what platform fits, but first we have to know us. We have to know our clients. We have to know who we are as a firm. And then from that point, we make decisions about where we belong. And that way, when marketers come to you and say, we have this offering, you can say, okay, I have a strategy that I'm working right now. And my strategy involves these three things, right? I'm doing these, I'm in these three places where my ideal clients hang out. And I want to see how that pans out before I do X or before I do Y. So that is why I created the book. It's really to help lawyers prepare to have a conversation with people who are marketing. And because then if somebody comes and it's in your strategy, you're like, hallelujah, you're just the person I've been looking for. I'm looking for somebody to do Google ads for me, right? And you know that because you've given thought to where your clients hang out and how they make buying decisions. It reminded me of a quote. It's like, you know, for, for the person who doesn't know where they're going, any road will take them there. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this as a marketer, uh, you know, if you guys don't worry about us finding you guys, <laughs> like we're, 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 we're doing a job. But if you have at least a rubric to get through to that, that's fantastic. And, you know, I'll even dovetail that with the section we were talking about earlier. You know, it'd be impossible to write a book that covers every single marketing channel that an attorney right. needs to know. But you know, there are people that know how to do this. It's, it is figure outable. But, you know, again, it's like yeah. the best strategy applied to or the best process applied to the wrong strategies, not going to be as good as an okay process that's right in line with what you need right. to do, right? Well, and also, if you and I were to have a conversation about you marketing for my law firm, you'd have a lot of questions for me first. You're going to have questions about who my ideal client is. You're going to have questions about what makes me different uh, and what how I stand out. You're going to be asking all those questions. So if you go through this process, then you know how to answer people who are there to help you, right? Because one thing that I do not expect people to do is do all their all lawyers to do, law firm owners to do, is do all their own marketing themselves. That is the great place for you to outsource and hire. That's what you should do. You do not have a background in education and marketing. If you don't, even if you do, is it the highest, best use of your time? That always goes back to that, that question. Is it A, B, or C, and maybe there are people who can do it better than you can faster and get you the results and the outcomes that you want, right? So this book is really a tool for helping people figure that out. And I do give key considerations for different types of, you know, platforms or vehicles for marketing. You know, I have some checklists in there where you could say, oh yeah, this is a good fit for me, or it's not. 
And I'll also say this too, like, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, you know what to ask people. If you know that people aren't asking those questions, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, family law, got it. Like, that's probably a sign that somebody yeah. that is probably not working super hard in your account. You should be looking into anyways. But um, all right. So I think that's a fantastic segue. I know we're actually getting um, sneaky close to the end of time. And uh, well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> you and I know why that happened. We had a little bit of an internet connection folks uh, issue and that's on my end. But anywho, for people who have been enjoying this conversation, what's the best way to, uh, to get in your world? Uh, well, if you are listening to this podcast, you probably love to listen to podcasts as much as I do. And so I would invite you to, join, to listen to us on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. We uh, kind of do something a little similar in that we just have great conversations with great people, a lot like uh, Jan does on this podcast. We tend to focus, of course, on helping women law firm owners scale their law firm businesses to and through a million dollars. So we're very focused around content around how we get there and what we do, what we need to do to accomplish that. And also we bring in experts to help us out as well. So if you like podcasts, that's another one you might want to add to your rotation along with this one. Also, you could visit wealthywomanlawyer.com or follow me on Instagram at wealthywomanlawyer. I do have a free Facebook group. There's all kinds of ways. You need to find me. I'm on LinkedIn. So just look for Wealthy Woman Lawyer or my name, Davina Frederick. You should be able to find me. That's a great way. Okay, super. And then we'll make sure to have all that stuff in the show notes, guys. But um, yeah, Davina, thank you so much for taking the time. It was a really wide-ranging conversation, but I think all super important things because like all these things really do kind of feed each other at the end of the day. And it's it's almost yeah. like, you know, trying to have a stool with uh, with a missing leg if you get one of these really, really figured out, right? Yeah, thanks again for the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. And then um, for everyone else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 